Welcome back to another episode of the Propel Podcast. And today, um, we are talking about HIT training. HIT stands for High Intensity Interval Training. This is Nicholas Lane. I have Max Rasmussen with me today. Hello. And uh, we're going to really break this down because HIT training is something that a lot of people hear on a regular basis. If you go to group fitness classes, you will likely hear HIT thrown around. A lot of group classes seem to be touting the HIT exercise training. But what does it mean and, and how is it helpful? So, Max, tell us a little bit about the origins of HIT training and where it came from. Yeah, HIT is a relatively young approach and it stemmed from the 1950s specifically for athletes uh the olympic trials or olympic training or anything like that uh, that's where this sort of stemmed from and it is uh it, it originated from sort of a sprint interval which is not uh something that's too far out of the realm of understanding or you know maybe there's a little bit of common sense there but the actual approach to high interval training stemmed from this sprint interval training, which uh, focused on maximal heart rate. Right. So they were trying to help these athletes improve their heart rate for competition. And so one of the things I thought was interesting, reading a little bit more about the origins, when you are performing HIIT training, um, you can actually do more. You can cover more ground because you're taking the time to rest. Instead of sprinting for... 400 yards if you break those up into 100 yard intervals you can have a higher output and you can achieve better times just because you're coming down and resting for a little bit yeah that's a great visual actually because i think most of us at some point in our life have tried to sprint as hard as we can for an extended period of time and you just feel yourself slowly declining and a way to counteract that and maximize your performance would be mm -hmm. to split up that distance you're trying to cover with maximal sprints followed by uh, maybe the same amount of time of walking or, or low intensity. So right. There was a study actually done about this where they had people on a treadmill and they said, I want you to run at the highest speed that you can um, for the longest amount of time. And I think it was, uh, I think it was actually a fixed amount of time, something like 20 minutes. And they had one group that could uh, only stay um, at a continuous level until they started to fade. And then they're based on their heart rate. If it got too high, they'd have to drop them down. And then another group that was allowed to do it in an interval basis. And so they would have a, a 30 or 60 second interval followed by the same amount of rest. And that group was able to run something like two times longer than the group that was steady. So you can accomplish a lot more, um, using the intervals, but when we're looking at the characteristics of HIIT training, um, high intensity interval training, you're looking at intervals, which means you have multiple groupings of exercise, a continuous um, training. So uh, we might call that um, moderate intensity continuous training. That utilizes a long period of time you're not resting at all you're you're continuously training with an interval there is a period of work and then there's a period of rest and there's a ratio mm -hmm. with each of those intervals yeah and what you're alluding to uh, sort of speaks to that trend that you mentioned earlier that we're seeing of this boom of high intensity high intensity interval training classes or anything like that where you're looking at maximizing the amount of heart rate that's available 
or I guess used during the exercise and the intensity. And that's manipulated by those ratios that you're talking about. So, um, you would look at a one-to-one or a two-to-one ratio where you're working out excessively or trying to reach that ideal heart rate for 60 seconds or 90 seconds, and then you're resting. So you're doing something very minimal, but still moving maybe for the same amount of time or double the amount of time or half. It depends on what your goals are and what the approach is. Um, the, the, the main thing I'd like to point out about these intervals though, and you're, maybe you're wondering, well, what, how do you know what the work to rest ratio is and why is that relevant? The more difficult it is, then obviously rest is going to increase versus the amount of time you're working. But the reason why this is such a specific, um, or why these time intervals are so specific is because that is the nature of exercise. Exercise has intention behind it. And that's sort of the definition of exercise is uh, something is considered exercise when there's intentional um, outlines of what you're doing. So that can be applied to sets and reps as well as time taken to perform an action. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And um, intentionally when you're performing this exercise, it does have to be a higher intensity. And this is something that I think is so often mistaken with HIT training as people think, well, as long as I do 30 seconds of work, 30 seconds of rest, then I'm doing HIT. Um, in a lot of cases, that's just interval training because HIT involves high intensity. So you need to be getting up close to 80 to 90% of your maximum heart rate. And we'll talk about um, some slight variations on that towards the end of this podcast and, and how that can be used. But generally, you need to be doing something to that you could maybe only go two to five more seconds for that interval. You, you shouldn't be ending an interval with a ton of energy um, because it it's only going to help you if you are hitting those maximal heart rates. Exactly. The, the heart rate intensity or the intensity in general is going to be the main factor that you need to consider when you're looking at high intensity interval training. Um, if you just look at those stations or circuit training, which would be more so just moving from one exercise to the next, not really looking at time intervals or um, the uh, intensity of each movement, you're more so just moving through a workout and it's just structured in a way to keep it interesting. Nothing wrong with that. It's a great way to work out, but it doesn't have the same intention and deliberate uh, structure as a high intensity interval training uh, program would. Exactly. HIIT workouts can be done without added weight and often are. Um, to truly reach that high intensity, it's often contraindicated to use a bunch of weight. That's really not the purpose. You're really trying to increase your speed or sometimes increase your volume. So if you were on a bike and you're doing HIIT training, that might look like either pedaling really, really fast for uh, the interval duration, or it might look like increasing the load as if you're going up a hill and having to, again, pedal as fast as you can, but with some resistance. But generally, if you're going to have any resistance, it might be something like a band or um, something that you're having to push or pull that's not necessarily a weight. So it's a little bit more functional. And another thing, HIIT workouts really 
don't require a whole bunch of space. You can do these in a defined area. Of course, if you're implementing it in something like running, um, you obviously are, are using distance with that. But um, often this is great for um, exercise that may be kind of a lower body, upper body combination. It might include jumping and plyometrics. It might include a stationary bike uh, and it might include a treadmill. Propel is a fully customized software platform that allows organizations of all sizes to run a comprehensive global well-being program for their employees and families. Propel is built to create long-term behavior change by infusing an organization's distinctive culture into a well-being program that reflects its unique needs. Propel allows you to run an unlimited number of well-being challenges, automate a health incentive program, deliver curated content, integrate organizational initiatives, and more. With Propel, you have the flexibility to meet your employees where they are and help them develop healthy habits that stick. To see all of the ways you can use Propel to engage your employees, schedule a 30-minute demo with our team by emailing sales at propelwellness.com or visit our website at propelwellness.com. It's all based on what your goals are. So you can focus on cardiovascular health. You can focus on power output or, I guess, explosive performance uh, from an athletic side of things if that's what you want. Or you can look at muscle development over time. Um, High-intensity interval training can be uh, utilized in many different ways. And and the current model that you would see, I guess, is to build on that understanding. You have different ways of manipulating the time frame. So... Uh, you know, one of the founding models would be the Wingate model, which is really focused on 30 minutes of uh, what's called supra maximal, maximal, meaning you're trying to exceed your highest possible output. And 30 seconds mm-hmm. is a very short amount of time. And you would do this multiple times, but with a very long rest interval because of how intense the 30 seconds is. Um, but that would be a performance based power output focus. Uh, a lot of people, especially in the exercise physiology field, might be familiar with Wingate as a uh, as a testing procedure for performance in athletes. Uh, but it's also a great way to approach that really high performance output or power output. And then on the opposite side, one model would be the Scandinavian model, which focuses on really long intervals of about four minutes, followed by four minutes of rest or four minutes of low intensity. And that focuses on volume versus performance or power output. So that would allude more to that cardiovascular improvement as opposed to the power output, Mm -hmm. which then leads to the more common approach, which would be somewhere in between the two because 60 minutes, 60 seconds to two minutes of work followed by 60 seconds to two minutes of rest meeting that, you know, 10 to 15 timeframe. Um, But you're not hitting that, you're not trying to exceed your maximum possible output. Mm-hmm. So you're trying to get that mixture of muscular as well as cardiovascular help. And it it's time efficient. It helps you improve in a lot of different areas. And it, it But you can manipulate your HIT training in sort of those different uh, directions. One focused on really short, power, powerful movements versus a little bit longer drawn out. Right. Yeah. So HIT really can encompass a lot of different... Uh, modalities. Uh, You alluded to the time that it takes to complete this. There was a really interesting study um, done in 2017 where um, they had um, individuals participating in um, moderate uh, intensity modalities, and then um, they were 
there was another group participating in the HIT workouts. And they were really trying to achieve about the same energy expenditure, trying to um, have around the same effect of the exercise. But what's notable is that the HIT workout group took roughly 40% less time than the similar um, moderate intensity modalities. And so, you know, we talk about the time that it takes, the space, um, who's this beneficial for? I think the first person that really can get a lot from this is someone who really just doesn't have a lot of time and space for exercise. If you have just, um, you know, 10 to 20 minutes, a small space in your living room, you can really do um, a lot more than you think. The, uh, the CDC um, and the American College of Sports Medicine, they recommend about 300 minutes uh, weekly of moderate intensity aerobic exercise for modest weight loss. And then if you want to you know, have some serious weight loss, you're going to have to exercise more than that. 300 minutes is a long time. And for someone who wants to lose weight and you know, maybe has a lot more going on, hit exercise could be a lot more beneficial. Definitely. Um, that 300 minutes that you mentioned, for instance, that's imagine running for 45 minutes straight. Well, you still have 300 or you still have 255 minutes left to try and Mm -hmm. fill in that moderate (laughs) intensity. And you know, you're looking at allocating five hours of your time per week to trying to hit that goal. Well, the use of high intensity interval training allows you to mitigate that. So obviously intensity has to be ramped up for you Mm -hmm. to mitigate the amount of time necessary to meet those physiological or exercise related goals. Um, But that's the beauty of HIT and why it's become such a popular trend is that it's time efficient and it still meets that uh, recommendation of physiological stress. Right. Yeah. I mean, you're talking about instead of 300 minutes, if if it's about 40% less, something like 20 minutes a day, six to seven days a week. uh, Most people have that. It's really not um, a huge demand to say, give me 20 minutes of your time, especially if you're trying to accomplish um, major weight loss. Now, what about for people who have um, something like um, cardiovascular disease, heart disease? Um, Is this something that's beneficial for them? Yeah, definitely. It's uh, because of the range of of uh, intensity that you move through, you're actually going to trigger a lot of different responses. Uh, so, for instance, people with cardiovascular disease, they need to maximize their cardiovascular fitness, right? So, um, but they don't have the time, or maybe they don't even have the ability because of their their ailment. Um, mm-hmm to run for 45 minutes or even jog. That's, it's a very difficult thing to ask someone to do with, with that sort of uh, limitation. But what they can do is they can hit short bouts of high intensity. Mm-hmm. That is going to help increase their cardiovascular fitness because you're maximizing that intensity over for short periods, but for multiple intervals. And you can build on that over time. So you can have more intervals or you can have more time at that intensity. And then on the opposite end, you are also improving your metabolic um, and your cellular responses to these stresses and, and, and your uh, changes, I guess, is what I'm trying to say. So from a insulin sensitivity or blood glucose regulation and things like that, all of that gets improved because of these uh, muscular and cardiovascular uh, levels of intensity that you're going through. Right. Um, when we're looking at HIIT exercise, 
obviously we've we've shared a lot of the pros, but um, what are some of the cons for this? Who who is this really not as helpful for, and who needs to be a little bit more careful when it comes to hit exercise? So when looking at individuals who this might not be a great approach for, an um, overarching term would be someone who doesn't fall in the healthy adult category or or uh, someone who has to be limited by their physician. Um, a lot of times this can be deconditioned individuals who maybe are recovering from an injury. Um, some elderly individuals who have developed, uh, you know, uh, physical or physiological limitations, which could be, you know, maybe you have a change in heart arrhythmia. That's not great to have your heart reach a maximal amount of, uh, in, of output or mm-hmm. anything like that. Um, it, it's going to come down to the approval of a physician ultimately. Um, especially if you're in that category of you have a medical history that points to something like that. Right. And I think it's important that you do talk to your um, primary care provider about this sort of exercise because it can be very useful if you if you are in a situation where maybe you've just come out of a heart attack, um, you've had coronary artery bypass surgery or congestive heart failure. Uh, HIT exercise is used with these patients to be able to help them to recover. But uh, you need to be more careful and you need to understand your limitations because if you're not hitting that higher intensity um, level, whether that's seven, really 70 to 80% plus of your maximum heart rate, it's not going to be a HIT workout. So you shouldn't expect to get the exact same benefits of HIT. Right. You made a good point there about the... Um the uses, I guess, from a clinical setting. There are definitely re, uh, researchers that have utilized HIT with populations to see the the, uh, the benefits. And there's a lot of uh, cardiovascular-focused uh, research out there that uses HIT as a rehabilitative process. The, the difference between yourself and those individuals is that there was a vetting process. They were approved for this study and that they met specific criteria to then allow that. And if they hit certain, uh, let's say, certain uh, measures that indicated that this is not a good idea, they would be pulled from participating Mm -hmm. or continuing participation, and then that would be noted. So ultimately, if you're going to utilize this, you need to understand which category you fall in. Most people are going to probably be able to perform some type of hit. Mm Mm-hmm. But in the case that you're on some sort of medications or you have certain limitations that you've uh, regularly seen a doctor for, it's not to say that HIT won't help you. You just need to find out if your doctor is on board or not. Mm -hmm. Right. And the other thing I'll say is this method of training doesn't have to be your only method. And I think um, the, the use case with the Olympic athletes was very interesting to me because obviously they were not solely doing this. They were working on running long distances. Um, if they were doing like a medium distance, they you know had to combine some form of sprinting with long distance training. And HIT was a supplement. It wasn't necessarily the only thing they were doing. And so um, for individuals that feel like it's an all or nothing. Uh, it really isn't. It's something that you can add into your 
week, whether you have a couple of instances of low to moderate intensity exercise, or um, maybe most days you're just doing lots of walking, um, this would be a great way to balance out what you're doing for your heart, um, for your lungs, and just for your body in general, because it can be completed on a shorter um, time span. Um, but it's something that you have to, I think, ease into in many cases. It's hard to go from only doing moderate intensity to doing solely high intensity interval training. That's a great point. Um, something to consider when you're thinking about high intensity interval training is how is it best utilized for you? Because you alluded to the Olympic athletes. Well, those Olympic athletes are specifically training to compete with other athletes and win, beat them. Mm -hmm. So they're trying to maximize very specific things and high intensity interval training gets utilized as a part of that process. It's not the only thing that they do. Um, to give you an example, for instance, marathon runners do something called, it, it's a part of their training called a fartlek. It's a funny name, but um, <laughs> that is going to be them running shorter distances at a faster pace than what they would normally run their long distance race at. So a marathon runner who, let's take a moderate one who runs like a six and a half minute mile. Well, they would run on specific days, shorter distances, but at a faster pace than what their regular marathon pace would be. So they would aim for that six minute mile or maybe something like a 545. And they would do that multiple times during that workout with uh, periods of rest in between. That is an approach for someone who specifically is running a marathon. On the opposite side, you can look at uh, a, you know, a, um, a speed skater they're not going to necessarily take that approach of um, long-term but slightly faster volume, mm -hmm. I should say. They're going to look at very extremely short periods of time. Mm -hmm. But again, the similarity there is that they're competing. If you're a recreational athlete, you might want to focus more on cardiovascular fitness and expansion over time. What are the beneficial health effects that I'm going to get? So am I going to get increased insulin sensitivity? Am I going to have um, better metabolic health over time? And is my cardiovascular fitness going to maintain and, and, and allow me to live life on a much easier basis? Well, that, in my opinion, is probably the better goal to focus on if you're not a professional athlete. Yeah. On that note, let's talk about how do we structure our HIIT workouts? Ultimately, majority of people that are listening to this are going to be enrolled in a class somewhere. They're going to find a workout on YouTube or another um, streaming service. Obviously, we have workouts um, on the um, wellness portal that you can follow. But um, when it comes to selecting the right one for you, um, there are really two ends of the spectrum. You have the short interval, high, high intensity, and then you have the long interval, um, still high intensity, but more moderated. So um, I think we'd like to address uh, something that some of you may have heard of, which is Tabata training. And um, Max, what, what's the general description of Tabata training? 
Sabata is very specific and, and the speed skating type of things or the example I gave earlier is a great indicator of or a great source of what I was talking about. Tabata is looked at as four minutes of very high intensity where you're doing 20 seconds of uh, you're doing 20 seconds of work really hard and then you have 10 seconds of rest. So you have a two to one work to rest ratio and it's mm-hmm. four minutes. So you f- for four minutes straight, you're doing 20 seconds of really high intensity followed by 10 seconds of very low to nothing Mm -hmm. and that that is going to be once that four minutes is up you have completed a tabata workout Mm -hmm. yeah and typically you'll see that repeated about eight times um and each round has about a minute of recovery so a typical tabata workout is going to have um i'm sorry the the 20 seconds on 10 seconds off is repeated eight times so you repeat that round um four times with a minute afterwards to get about 20 minutes of, of exercise. Um, this type of hit ratio that is really short on both the work and the rest side is great for people who are trying to lose weight. It's really going to help with insulin sensitivity. Um, and it's something that for, um, people who want to see a change in their body composition and really losing weight, um, these spikes and being able to get yourself up to that really high intensity are very beneficial. Very. Um, an approach to the, or a way of thinking about this is, is sort of that sprint that we talked about at the beginning, right? When you looked at a long distance and you over time, if you're sprinting as hard as you can, you're going to feel yourself trail off. Mm-hmm. Well, imagine that this is a combination of doing that long sprint with very short intervals tied in. And it, the, the idea is that you have an extremely intense training period, but you're also trying to maximize the amount of output and it's focused on that 20 seconds. So mm-hmm. you, you put your foot in the ground and you drive as hard as you can for 20 seconds. So it's a way of splitting up your endpoint. You're a, you're, you can see where you're going. The maximal amount of effort output is there for 20 seconds. And then you have that tw- 10 seconds to prepare for that next section mm-hmm. that you're going to have that maximum output. And it's a way of uh, extending the amount of time that you can do that maximal amount right. of uh, intensity. Exactly. Exactly. And you, at, when you're talking about increasing your, your metabolic, um, you know, the ability to process um, different calories, foods, and appropriately hold on to what you need to. Um, it does make a difference to be able to have more time logged at that higher intensity. On the flip side of that, you have something like the Scandinavian model that you talked about earlier, where you're doing something for four minutes. And in many cases, that could be lowered to you know two minutes um, with some level of rest that's either um, the same amount or it could be slightly lower Um, that may be more about volume uh, and trying to do something for a longer period of time but still incorporating the interval aspect to it Uh, who's that really good for that's going to be a great approach for individuals that are in that uh, the the want to lose weight category they're going to be the ones that they're going to engage with manageable amounts of time as Mm -hmm. well as manageable amounts of intensity. And they're going to be able to string that out over a little bit longer period of time. It's going to help with cardiovascular fitness. 
tremendously, which is going to allow you to increase intensity or increase volume over time. But you're also engaging with that exercise for a longer period of time, which helps you uh, approach that goal of weight loss. Mm -hmm. Um, That can be a massive contributor to why you would choose longer interval training. Um, What I would a way that I would maybe think about it is start with longer interval training because it allows you to build on that cardiovascular fitness side of things. Mm-hmm. And as you increase your capacity for, for work and volume, then you can scale down and you can take on that Tabata approach. So then mm-hmm. you can, you then you can have a good, um, mixture of, uh, long-term or, or volume growth mm-hmm. and volume. And then you can focus on performance and, and, and uh, power output with the Tabata approach. Great idea. And that allow you to be able to feel a little bit more of what the higher heart rate uh, feels like, because if you have not been at that point before in your life, or maybe not recently, if it's been a while since you've been in sports or something like that, um, we really don't live our lives at a high heart rate. And so it does take some getting used to. Um, So like Max said, being able to incorporate A couple of sessions of um, a little bit longer term cardio. Um, So, you know, a great starting place um, on the wellness portal, you have um, a a series of body weight hit workouts that are in most cases 30 seconds on, 30 seconds off. That's a great starting spot. 30 seconds is a manageable amount of time. 30 seconds of rest um, for most people is going to be plenty. And it does give you an opportunity to just try the, the interval training. Um, you know, a couple tips that we can give you first, you need to show up for each round because if you allow yourself to, to lag and take a round off, you're really missing out on a big portion of the workout. If you think about the workout being 10 to 20 minutes, um, that's, you know, maybe a 10th of the, the entire workout that you're just taking off. And so because you're able to decrease the amount of time that you're putting in each round has to be at your absolute best. Uh, And that's kind of the bargain that you have to make when you begin working out with the hit style. The second thing is allow yourself to uh, mentally rest during your time off. But as soon as that bell or or timer goes for the next round, um, put yourself in the fight and show up. And you'd be surprised at how quickly you can reset and um, get through it. And before you know it, that 10, 20 minutes is up and you've completed a workout that may actually be more energy expended than if you had just gone on a run for 20 minutes. Exactly. Um, You said something interesting earlier where we don't live our lives at a high heart rate. And that, that is a great way of framing why running or cycling or anything like that for a long period of time in what's called steady state exercise is so difficult. Mm-hmm. Your body's not used to that. It's it's a different point of homeostasis or I guess a, uh, st- a standard mm-hmm. level of intensity. So when I say steady state, I'm looking at you're elevating the level of intensity that you're working at and then you're trying to stay there. At some point, you're going to reach an amount of time that your body is struggling. So that's when you're going to see your heart rate really increase, even though you're running at the same pace. And it's just because you've maxed out your body's ability to maintain that intensity over time. 
that's where high intensity interval training can come in and allow you to circumvent that long-term um, elevation of heart rate or stress. Mm-hmm. So you're able to focus on just two minutes at a time of strong performance followed mm-hmm. by 45 seconds or a minute of, okay, let's get ready for the next two minutes of a strong performance. And by splitting it up over time, you're going to be able to increase that volume. So from a scalability side of things, you start with those longer intervals with the slightly lower intensity. And then if you want to continue to develop on that, well, you can add another round. So add an additional two minutes at the end that you work out or that you add on from an interval standpoint, or you decrease the amount of time you're doing it. And then you increase how hard you're working for that time frame. Right. So it, it gives you a little bit more flexibility as mm-hmm. opposed to just saying, I'm going to go run 20 miles. doesn't matter how long it's going to take, or <laughs> I'm going to go run the 20 miles and it needs to take only this long. Mm-hmm. Very difficult either way. Very difficult to do on a day-to-day basis. High intensity interval training, a lot easier to execute on a consistent basis. Right. It really is. Well, this was part one in our three part series on, um, interval exercise types. Um, so please, uh, stay tuned if, if the next episode hasn't come out yet for the next one. Um, if it has come out, go check it out. And, uh, thank you for, for taking a minute with us. Um, we really do encourage you take an opportunity, try hit workout on the wellness portal and, um, give yourself some grace. It does take some getting used to, but it's something that will significantly improve your cardiovascular health. And it'll also really help you with um, goals for weight loss and and just for feeling better um, overall. Thanks for listening today. And from everyone here at Propel, be well.